Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, everybody, I'm CJ, and this week I'm excited to be joined by Brett Talley. What's up, guys? Charlie Condor. Hey! And for the first time ever, John Williams is with us. I'm very reserved. Uh, How do you feel to be on the podcast? Somber. I feel well. I feel somewhat melancholy. I feel adequate. (laughs) I am. Uh, Well, we are excited to have you with us, John, because we're talking about uh, why and how to stay creative as a youth ministry leader. And although Mm. uh, you're not a youth ministry leader right now, John, you are one of the most creative people Mm -hmm. I know. Oh, that's Uh, that's very sweet. And before we dive into a little bit of that, let's just, can you tell us what a little bit about your, your your background? Criminal. Criminal background? <laughs> yeah. Should we'll, we just get we'll that out in the open right now? Well, if it's we'll sealed, I think you don't yeah, need well, to. Yeah, well, that's right. it. It's sealed. That's what I was going to say. It's... We'll save the criminal background for later, okay. maybe the end. That's uh, great. Tell us uh, who you are and what you've done. That's such a load off my mind. I don't have to talk about it. No, um, let's see. I uh, I don't know. You know, I was thrust into being an actor. Can I say thrust? I don't know. I just gave you know, me, like, you know what's funny. Like, he just said thrust, guys. This is yeah. youth leader. Yeah, youth, it's fine. Yeah. It's uh, fine. I became an actor uh, <laughs> basically when I was in second grade. Uh, my teacher uh, found that I was very annoying and rambunctious and uh, forced me to be in a school play that I really hated. And then I loved it. You know, I didn't want to be in it, but then when I did it, I found my thing. So I've been acting since I was in second grade. I went to Florida State, majored in theater, and uh, then uh, all over the Southeast was acting when I was a single gent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I don't know why I didn't finish the word gentleman. Uh, gent sounded jaunty, but uh, I uh, then I uh, um, got married, uh, took a break from acting and things like that, but then uh-huh. got involved with uh, uh, some ministry opportunities that were really cool. It was really cool to find some ministry opportunities where, as an actor, or as an artist, or as a performer, they valued what I brought because yeah. most of the time at churches, I uh, what I brought to the table was not something any church or ministry was had any value to. Mm. You know, they did they didn't look at it as uh, you know whatever whatever that is that's 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 meaningless. You know, yeah. that, that's not going to help us you yeah. know, with our cause or you know pushing pushing the message forward. But um, you know, fell into a few ministries and churches that really enjoyed it and were willing to do. Do some different things and take some risks yeah, creatively, yeah, which sure. I thought was really cool. So, uh, for the past twenty years, I uh, first ten of those twenty years, I worked at a church uh, in the children's ministry area, and uh, and then I've been working here for ten years. Yeah, this 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 year, ten years at really? Orange. Yeah, wow. congratulations. So you Thank work. You. You've been here at Orange for ten years, specifically uh, working in the kids' curriculum area. Yeah, yeah two five two. Uh, yeah. Working on things like the so and so show, so and so show. So if maybe your children's area of your church uses the uh, kids' curriculum, they'd be probably very familiar. Yeah, with yeah. They, some very so-and-so infamous show. or famous characters in- uh, really. over those ten years. So and so Haggis. MC Haggis. Uh, if you've been to Orange Horvath, Conference, yeah, if you've yeah. been to Orange Conference. Yeah. And you have stuck around for Seriously Night, which you need yeah. to if you ever come to Orange Conference. <laughs> it's John and his buddy Brandon that you see basically create and think and perform <laughs> all of the things that you're laughing at that you're wondering if you're allowed to be <laughs> yeah, laughing yeah. at. And that aren't who you came to, to Orange Conference anywhere. with. 
<laughs> totally. And so, and then outside of Orange here, you still do a lot of acting, right? Yeah, CJ, and, thanks and, for bringing that up after I told you to. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a little self-promotion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my name is Jonathan D. Williams on IMDb. You can go ahead and look me up. This is I've... not the composer of anything. No, 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 no. That's why I go by Jonathan D. Williams, by the way, when I, as an actor, because when I walk in and I go John Williams, they go, oh, I loved your work on Star Wars. <laughs> and they usually laugh just like that. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to some weird Never heard that one. Like that. Never heard that. <laughs> no, but... Uh, yeah, so that that's that's a really cool opportunity again to be involved in the acting community, who I love and adore, and the arts community. And do you but, do improv? Uh, you know, I started yeah. in improv. Yeah, and I haven't done any like. It sounds this sounds weird. It sounds <laughs> like antithetical to uh-huh. improv, but I haven't done structured improv in a long time. Yeah, like yeah. improv actually does have rules and does have a structure to it, so that you know how to operate. Which you know that goes great into talking about creativity because sometimes I think people think creativity is just sort of this blue sky like open-ended just whatever you want to do kind of thing and I think creativity is what exists within guidelines and boundaries and structure yeah well that's a great segue because we are talking about like I said why and how to stay creative as youth ministry leaders and I think this is huge to talk about because when we initially started working in the world of youth ministry whether you're a volunteer or part-time or full-time whatever it looks like I think most of us probably start with big plans and ideas Mm -hmm. for the direction we want to take things, right? Mm -hmm. We have programming ideas, serious ideas, retreat ideas, all that kind of stuff. And while we maybe implemented a few of those creative ideas, eventually, at least, you know, I think most of us, we start slowing down and as we get into our ministries and we start getting into the week-to-week rut, right? You know, it's Sunday's coming, Wednesday's coming, (laughs) and that's why... This week we're talking about this because yes. we're talking about what does it look like to get out of that rut and bring some creativity back into your ministry. And I think that there's truth to, yes, it absolutely is. Like we just kind of get stuck in these same rhythms and these same routines and the urgent, you know, the tyranny of the urgent is a, a phrase that we used to use a lot in my last church kind of takes over. But I think sometimes too, ministry just beats the creativity out of us sometimes. It does. Amen. It does. Amen. Sometimes that might be the culture of some of our churches yeah. where, mm-hmm. you know, leadership is like, who stop. Yeah. Stop Stop trying all this stuff. Don't, right. do, don't do that. Right. We need to do things exactly how they were. So mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's that mix of tyranny of the urgent. The next program's always coming. The next event's always coming. It's easy just to f- f- grab something from the vault sure. and do that. But I also think a lot of us have probably been burned by trying to, to, to take a risk and do something that was really creative and outside yes. the box. And we, we weren't really given that freedom by leadership right. to, to, to fail even if it didn't go great the first time. I was totally going to say that, that, that one of the biggest keys to being successful uh, creatively is being willing to fail yeah. and have the, the, mm-hmm. the freedom to fail. If you don't, then you are just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I was also going to say, too, that when you first get into a ministry and you have all these ideas and these series, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a relationship, right? I mean, you're there for the first time. You're deeply in love. Like, you know, you'll stop watching football because she doesn't like it or, you know, or you'll, you know, you'll wear cologne even though you hate it, you know, all that kind of stuff at first. And you will put all this extra energy in. But after a while, you're kind of like, you know... You know, maybe it's time in a relationship where she's okay with me breaking wind in front of her or something like that, right? You know, it's, and then, you, you know, then issues start popping up and then you start feeling, Ugh. 
and the energy isn't quite yeah. going into it anymore. I mean, there's that relationship aspect to it and, too. But and to me, you know, when I have conversations with youth pastors that are kind of going into to interviews, like there's the whole old adage of you know, you're not the only person interviewing for a job. Is right. That, you know, right. you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Absolutely. One of the questions I always encourage people to to ask is to ask questions about taking risks and whether or not leadership gets comfortable mm -hmm. with someone who's willing to kind of take some risks. That's something that I was always really grateful for the two senior pastors that I served under. They were very vocal with me about, I want you to take risks. And yeah. if things don't work out, I've got I've got your back, but I want you to keep, you know, swinging for the fences in some ways yeah. and not just right. get comfortable in everything you're doing. And what a blessing for me to have that kind of leadership that kept pushing me mm -hmm. to think outside the box and get creative that I know so many youth pastors that are not in that situation and don't have that yeah. same level of, of freedom. That's my favorite senior pastor. He is still my favorite, but yeah. he, I want to try something really cool and unique. And he's like, you got one year. If it doesn't work, I'm firing you. Oh, wow. And I really was never sure if he was joking or not. <laughs> um, but good thing it was Did a success. Did you get fired? No, oh, it, it was okay. a success. But he was, I, it felt real serious. He's like, okay, sure, try this. No one's ever done that before. Is that how you do youth ministry? And I was like, nah, I don't know, but it sounds fun. We're going to do it. Yeah. One year. Wow. Interesting. I know. Uh, what's interesting about that, though, is I think, I've been thinking a lot about this and why does the church in general and even student ministries or even children's ministries, any, any ministry, why do we continue to do the same things over and over and over again? Why do yeah. we get in a rut? And I think it's because once we find something that works, yeah. it's really scary to try something new. And somehow deep down, I think that's rooted in this fact that, you know, we believe that God is unchanging and mm. perfect. And so once we found something that we think is perfect, yeah. We're afraid to change it. We're afraid that, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think there's something intermixed in there with us us not looking perfect because yeah. mm -hmm. we're trying to represent a perfect God, but we're not. I, I have no idea. That might not be well, it. And I think that there's also, you know, we've, we've probably all at some point talked about the leadership principle that good is the enemy of great. But that's that's something that it's very easy to talk about, but it's so difficult to practice because when we have something that maybe we've done for three or five years and it's been good and people enjoy it and everybody's kind of comfortable with it, mm -hmm. it's very hard to stop doing something good sure. to take a risk to try something that might be great or it might bomb and it might not be as good as the last thing was. And sometimes though, we think something that's good, we think is great. And maybe it was great three or four years ago, but yeah. now it's... Now it's only good compared to where we could be now. Yeah. And that's hard because, you know, it's it, in that situation, it's not a rut, it's comfort. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're comfortable in delivering what you've always delivered. That was great at one time. And then when it starts to just be good, you're, you're like, yeah, but it still feels good. So maybe yeah. there's, a, there's a comfort zone thing. There's the rut thing. Are there any other reasons why it's sometimes difficult to stay creative as as youth ministry leaders? Yeah, I think a lot of times in mainline denominational churches, there's a lot of generations who have attended that church. Mm, Grandma, grandpa, good, yeah. parents, kids. And so there's this legendary thing that's been happening in your ministry for the past 30 years, and the grandparents have experienced it, and the parents experienced it. So that event or activity or whatever it is just keeps going yeah. and going and going. And then there's a youth pastor that's been there and is like, well, this thing's been going for 30 years. How do you change it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. true. I think in, in that same vein, there is also a fear of acknowledging what isn't working. Yep. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we see something not working, 
But man, it's like pulling teeth to change it because, I mean, what do you replace it with? Yeah. There's also an acknowledgement that you have to acknowledge it isn't working mm. to change it, you know? So there's a little bit of pride involved. Yeah. Sometimes that gets involved, you know, in the way as well. well and, and there has to be something that we're doing on a regular basis to, to step outside of ourselves in mm -hmm. some way, oh. because it's very difficult for us to, like you're saying, John, honestly evaluate something mm -hmm. when we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what are we doing on a regular basis, whether that's, you know, once a quarter, once a year, whatever, to really take a step back and and see from a different perspective, yeah. whether it's events, whether it's programming, whatever, whatever it might be. Cause it's so hard to do that because yeah. you're right. Like when, when the wall is right in front of our face, yeah. like we don't, we can't see the greater picture of, of what's going on. Well, you know what, for me, that is, you know, as an actor, I continue to train, you know, I continue to take acting classes. So I take acting, I don't go to the church to take acting classes. <laughs> I go where, you know, there's incredible trainers. And yeah. so I get my, my step back sometimes is just, being with people who I love to be with, the fellow actors, training and learning, and uh, generally, I'm yeah. not gonna, you know, this is a generalized statement, but I'm in the minority as a as a person of faith in those classrooms. Yeah. But I get to hear what people actually think about yep. church, as opposed to what we think exactly. people think mm. about church. It's super interesting. And so when you are willing to actually sit back and listen, oh, and by the way, I never defend what defend the church from what they say. I have to hear what they are saying and go, yep. oh. That is their point of view. That's something that, what do I do to change that point of view or reach them? I think creativity has a way to yeah. do that. And nine times out of 10, what it comes back as is, you know, if I invite somebody to church or something like that, usually the comment is, man, they're trying really too hard. Yeah. Mm. You know, and I don't know if that's just this culture or this day and age. Yeah. But it mm. seems like somebody just wanted something a little more authentic yeah. authenticity doesn't mean lack of creativity right but it, it should be i feel like it should be driving our creativity a little bit more yeah i'm just as guilty of this in creative meetings whether i'm running for orange conference or so and so show or even working on my own projects on the side or whatever uh sometimes i'll be in a meeting with people creative meeting and i hear a lot of oh check out this youtube video or check out this snl video yeah or check out this and i get it we all want to go somewhere to get inspiration, right? Yeah. So there's there's levels of make sure you're finding inspiration and not just copying yeah. and slapping it into. Well, that's what something. you want to do if you're not feeling creative. You you do feel like, well, I gotta I gotta I need right. some inspiration. Right. Somewhere, right. Right. You, right. Sometimes it's there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, we're yeah. we're everybody's stealing from everybody when it comes to creative ideas, but it's just there's a danger of. It's, I, I, I I'm a big believer that if God is who we say He is, if He is big and infinite. And then his creativity, his imagination is beyond anything we can comprehend. Mm -hmm. And yet the church is the best at copying. So he, here's the tension for me with that, though, is that in my experience in so much of ministry sure. is that me curating certain things mm -hmm. is a greater use of my time and creates better opportunity for influence than me feeling like I have to create everything. That's true. And so to me, there was always this, no, the, that's true. This tension for me of what do, you know, for, for a lot of people that are in ministry, if, if you kind of went through the avenues that I do, there's such a value in, you know, building everything on your own from scratch mm -hmm. and, you know, learning how to do this and learning how to do that. And, you know, right. I wrote this whole series or I came up with all of these different things sure. on, sure. on my own. And it almost feels like, oh, if I got this off somebody else, I just ripped it off them. Mm -hmm. Or this is, you know, this is just, you know, 
plagiarizing messages from the internet or different right, things right, right. like that. But there is that, that is what it can be sometimes oh, yeah. if it's just lazy and if it's just grabbing something because you don't really know what else to, right. to do. But I don't know. There's just that, this tension in me of trying to figure out what is that balance of if I'm spending 30 hours of my week in my office Trying to create something. Trying to create what would probably be a lesser version of what other people have created in another team. And, you know, where I feel like this always leads, it always sounds a little bit biased because I work for XP3. We've got a curriculum called XP3 here at Orange. Which is incredible. And so I always sound biased, but I used XP3 for five, you know, years before I ever worked here. Right. And I know what happened in those five years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't just because of XP3 stuff, but it was other things because I got really strategic about curating the right stuff for my community. And then I I was able to filter my opportunities to be creative on top of that. Yeah. Which allowed it, I feel like, to have yeah. more of an impact, more more of an influence. But I, I totally see what you're what you're talking about. With so often, it's just lazy creativity. Yeah, where we just and take, that's what I'm addressing. Think of more something of. that was successful somewhere else, and then we just try to turn it into a Christian culture version of that, right. For our own circles, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think you should always be curating what's what's happening in culture creatively and being inspired by it and using it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm advocating. I am advocating just sort of the lazy idea of just slapping it on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just, for sure. that drives me crazy. Um, yep. uh, just for the reasons I mentioned, yeah. you know, uh, like when you said, you know, as a student pastor, you know, I wonder if student pastors have to feel like they're doing it by themselves. Yeah. And a lot of times they are right. And sometimes that's just because of finances, budget, uh, you know, uh, hiring and all yeah. that thing. But, you know, I would highly, highly recommend trying to find a, a group of people who are part of your creative team who aren't in your church, yeah. meaning not are not on staff in your church. Yeah. You know, when we were first starting FX years and years ago, we actually brought moms, hmm. creative moms, moms we knew who were creative, but they would come in once a month during our creative meetings because hmm. none of us had the age group of kids who we were targeting. Yeah. And they would say, oh, that would never work. Or, <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. You know, our sons and our daughters would freak out over that, you know. But just cultivating a team and, and taking some of the pressure off of that it's not just you. Yep. I mean, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, everybody's going to look at you if something doesn't work or, or it does work. But so, finding a team's... So we've kind of jumped uh, a sorry, little... Sorry, sorry. You're good. You're good. We kind of jumped a little bit into almost the how. Like the, there are some good ways to find some creativity, finding the balance between coming up with stuff from scratch versus leveraging what mm-hmm. the creativity that's already out there kind of a thing. But... Before we go down that road too much further, I want to kind of step back a little bit and, sure. and ask, so why is it even important to stay creative as youth youth leaders? What's the danger if we do fall into too much of a predictable week in and week out routine? What's what's the danger for us? What's the danger for our students uh, if there is one? Like, so why is it important to stay creative? I think this we lose the students a lot of times mm-hmm. if it's just kind of cookie cutter, the exact same thing every single time and they're showing up and it's... I'm not saying we shouldn't have, you know, structure to what, to what we're doing. It's not, it's totally different every single time, but there just has to be some, you know, variety that comes along with that. Absolutely. Well, and with social media, every kid in your ministry is watching other kids in the neighborhood, what church, what their churches are doing. And so if your church is just coming in and doing the same thing week in and week out, there's some real negative side to that because Mm -hmm. the church down the street is posting their color wars or, you know, slime dodgeball, whatever. 
Oh, slime dodgeball. I like that. <laughs> Do you, yeah. Are the dodgeballs slimy or you just throw the slime? No, you soak no, it with slime overnight. I think the students oh, start yeah. out slimy. Just oh. right. <laughs> yeah, they haven't bathed in a couple <laughs> of days. Sh- and yeah, just you're not allowed to shower two weeks before <laughs> slimy dodgeball. <laughs> I, I think too, like with the glutton of media, from social media to streaming services to, I mean, there's so much stuff that has changed. It changes at such a rapid pace mm-hmm. that the kids are growing up in a world where they have a glutton of options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if they're not going to keep going to the place that any place, yep. I don't care where it is, church or amusement park or whatever. I mean, amusement parks are building whole new wings. Yeah. 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 I mean, Disney World, I mean, is building yeah. a whole new wings. Why? Because they're trying to stay on top of yeah. the culture and, re, you know. So it changes so rapidly technologically and, and entertainment-wise that we, if we don't, it's... And I think that there is, we have to find that middle ground there too, because I know yeah. I know ministry people that will all, always argue like, we can't we can't keep up with culture. We have to be something different outside of culture. Because I agree with that. We, yeah. but, there, but there is that. But there is that tension of kind of going back to earlier, if we just keep trying to match culture, mm-hmm. so often it's just going to feel like a, a Christian version yes. of what people actually enjoy yes. or what they actually like. Yes. And so what is the what is, what is the balance there of, of recognizing what's happening in the world of a student? And so we're creating cultures where they feel comfortable, where they feel connected, where we're speaking to them in ways that are familiar to them, but we're not just trying to create a different version of of what they're trying to do. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, that's the that's the rub every time, isn't it? Yeah. And I'll add to the complexity that the, even just how often do you change things like uh, that, that students are familiar familiar with enough to invite friends to versus like, I know this is a predictable enough environment. If I invite them, it's not going to be weird yeah. versus how do we change this up and keep them engaged? Like a retreat yeah. is a great example. Oh, we go to the same place every year. So yeah. the retreats name the same thing every year. Some students might say, I've been there, done that. I already, I've already been on the blob. I don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. And then some are like, I know exactly what this is. It's awesome. There's a blob there. I'm yeah. going to invite my friends. Yeah. But I felt like that as an adult, inviting friends to church. Oh, totally. And you invite your friends and all of a sudden the, the pastor on stage starts doing something real weird and mm-hmm. out of the ordinary. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, sorry I invited you. You're, yeah, you're yeah. leaning over and be like, he usually doesn't do this. Exactly. He's, he has He never dances in a leotard. <laughs> never. But, but he just decided to do it today. Day. Yeah, I don't know what this is. Well, and I think that, you know, we, we often talk about burnout in, in, in ministry in general and in student ministry, how short, you know, some tenures can be. And I think that probably has something to do with it. I think that if we're not able to, to think creatively and to think outside of the box and take some risks, it probably burns us out quicker than, than if we're, again, like I talked about earlier, in an environment where we're encouraged to, well, what do you want to do? Yeah, that's what they've always done. But what yeah. do you, is there anything different that you would want to do with that? When I hear you all talk about these teams and the creative teams that you've worked on and people that you can talk to, y'all, I've done ministry away from everybody else in like a basement setting as a youth pastor. I don't have anybody. Mm. Like, who do you glean creativity from when you're the sole person doing all the things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is where my lack of working in student ministry hinders me in this podcast. <laughs> you're good. But we would, I mean, I go out into the community. I mean, I actually go outside of the church walls 
and find people that I connect with, who I like, who I trust, and yeah. bring them in and invite them to be a part of this. Well, thing. I think I think a, a practical connection there is when when we're you know when we're involved in outside networks, even if it is yes. other people doing youth ministry, kind of in our communities. Sure. Uh, when you were talking about you know that you're still doing acting classes and different things like that, the two things that I thought of kind of as the equivalent is that, A, we just need to always be learners. That's just kind of an, a, a normal thing that, sure. that, that we're reading, that we're looking at other things, we're watching other ministries to see what they're doing and learning from that. But if if we're getting together on a regular basis with other with other youth leaders that, you know, their ministries are smaller, our size, bigger, same context, different context, and we're just having these kind of conversations of, okay, so here, here's what's going on in my ministry. I don't yeah. really know what to do yeah. with this. Just being able to glean from from all of all of their experience with your neighbors yeah. and all of yeah yeah i highly agree with that i think a really great element for those of us who work in rural settings or away from neighbors uh, is our facebook groups not yeah. just not just orange students but there's a ton of facebook groups out there um, church set designs yep. gives you really inexpensive ideas mm-hmm. there's just a lot of ways that we could utilize the internet and other people to collaborate, even if you're far away. Absolutely. So, so let's get into that a little bit. So uh, we talked a little bit about the why it's important to stay creative, but so even to that, Charlie, that's a how. Like here's a here's a how a unique way to stay creative, maybe with your programming. So what does it look like to be creative in other ways? Maybe not even specifically your programming, but maybe uh, when you have programming, where you have programming. What does it look like to be creative in your games, messages, your worship? Like let's dive into some of the particulars here. So for me, I uh, I worked and served in a community where sports were number one. I'm sure everyone listening feels the same way. Yeah. Um, But it's a smaller community. So there's not a lot of other options besides like church and football, church and cheerleading. And so I met with local coaches to see what worked for them, what doesn't work for them, and then start shifting our nights. And so while our church, who's been there for a hundred years, mm-hmm. had never met on Tuesday before, yeah. we would switch to Tuesday and then change up what the night looks like. <gasps> Not Wednesday? Not Wednesday. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> but we moved to Tuesday, right? And then what's it look like to have kids in your ministry right after school so that they're ready for practice where they've already had Jesus, they've already had a meal, they have their uniforms on, and they're ready for mom to pick them up. So that creativity and just even timing in your programming. Yeah. I, th- I think most of the time when mm. I think about, you know, creativity in ministry, I'm thinking about, okay, what are we doing with the music? What, what is the, you know, what does the room look like? What are we doing with mm. the set? You know, any, any sort of like video elements that we're doing different. And I think that all of those are um, important aspects of creativity, but I think there's so much truth to those kind of pieces too mm-hmm. of how do we get creative in troubleshooting the issues that we have in ministry of it's people aren't showing up on Wednesdays because of practices, whatever. Right. All right, let's get creative. Let's think outside the box. Let's maybe even take a, a risk, have some conversations and figure out, is there something different that we should be doing here that could be totally different than we've done? Creative, strategic creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I tell people all the time who say they're not creative. I'm like, well, what do you do for a living? And you're like, ah, I just do Excel spreadsheets. And I'm like, are you crazy? That that takes a ton of creativity. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that is, so like the strategic side of it is almost, I think is more important than mm-hmm. the lights. And the there there have been people who uh, tend, well, church in general, my experience is we like to slap a new coat of paint on something or put on a different pair of pants or skinnier, maybe skinnier pants. Skinnier pants. <laughs> or electric guitar instead of the organ, mm-hmm. and we think we've changed our culture. Yeah. And no, we've changed our style, 
Mm. But we have not changed the culture and we have not changed, we're not creatively engaging people. We're just, there's a difference. Yep. And it, it always bothered me whenever I would talk to somebody who visited one of the events or the environments that we were. And I was just passionately saying, okay, this is why we're doing it this way. This is the why. Yep. This is the why behind our creative. And then all they end up asking me is, where did you get your lights? Yep. Where did you get your set pieces? Yep. Where did you? And I'm like, guys, that, you know what? That came so late down the yeah. road. We had to start first with the why. And I do think it's important to talk about your why because your why should always drive, drive your creative. Yep. Not, not the what. You know, what is creative? Yeah. Why do we need to be creative? And your creativity should come out of that yep. first. But, but then eventually you do get to a place where it's like, what should the walls look like? Oh, yes, how, yes. How do we communicate yeah. that yeah. this That's is down that road, this though. is for them? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You do eventually get there. Yeah. But it, even those what's. But that can't be, it can't start with, oh my gosh, I've got a really cool design right. for the walls. Yeah. And then that means we're a creative environment yes. versus starting with this bigger picture and then everything right. kind of filtering through that. Because you know what, believe it or not, your environment has to change eventually. Yep. Because... Yeah, you know, if all you're doing is bringing people in to see your lights and your sound and your walls, yeah. then after a month, okay, what else you got for me? Yep. Because they're the same thing a month later, right? Yep. Unless you're going to repaint every month or yeah. you're going to move walls every month or you're going to bring up, the, you yeah. know what I mean? Or you're going to start playing didgeridoo or yeah. whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, just changing up your instruments. Like, I'm just like, there, <laughs> there is a level of... I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love all that stuff, yeah. right? I mean, I love all Big that stuff. Big fans of didgeridoo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Electric you'll didn't didgeridoo. You'll never find a bigger didgeridoo dude, fan dude, than John Williams. If you have Williams, a subwoofer, this say. didgeridoo rocks on the subwoofer. I don't want to see that in our Facebook group. Right. Oh, man, the didgeridoo. That's amazing didgeridoo worship. I, I want to but do that. At our, at our church in Kentucky, we we were building a youth building, and that's what we talked about. We said, no matter how many didgeridoos can we get in this building? Um, no, we said, okay, whatever we do, yeah. that might bring students in once they might show up to be like oh my gosh cool a new building what do you what, right. what did you guys do in here but there has to be so there's value to that totally a value but, to it but what are we doing creatively to connect people right. to deepen relationships to mm -hmm. point them towards some life mm -hmm. change that if we if we're not doing that they're going to be like yeah those lights were pretty cool yeah i don't i'm and, yeah. and they don't think about it again yeah I, I just keep thinking that the why has less to do with just being creative for creative sake yep you know, why are we creative? Well, it's not to be creative. The creative always has to be linked with with the why, with, with yeah. what your mission is in that environment. You know, I was talking to a youth pastor earlier this week who actually got creative with worship and was like talking to his, he had a group of, has a group of 10 to 15 students and was like, okay, you know what? We're going to mix things up. You guys, you guys all attend worship with your parents on Sunday morning. You guys sing the worship songs there on Sunday morning. Uh, Wednesday nights, we're going to stop doing worship here for a little while. And instead we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to cover songs instead. Cause he had, cool. he had like 10 or 15 students and most of them were in the, the, the band too, you know, so yeah. there's mm. there. And so instead of, instead of doing worship songs on Wednesday, we're just going to do something fun That's and cool. we're going to cover, you guys pick two songs a week. We're going to do two a week and we're just going to cover whatever song you want to cover this mm. week and just practice it and have fun. And I thought that was a very unique way to like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to mix something up and uh, give students more ownership of something. We're going to get creative. And like, uh, obviously, that's not something that every ministry is going to do. Right. But like, hey, we're, we're st still doing worship over here, but we're going to make this specific worship a little bit different. You know, what, you know what I love about that idea and why it's so risky too, or why it's perceived as risky, is that oftentimes at the church we say, well, you know, you know only God is in Christian things. Mm -hmm. Does yeah. that mean like... 
I mean, I remember listening to a Coldplay song and being deeply moved and having a deep conversation with with God because this song touched something internally. I mean, we have Taylor Swift. God gave us. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just kind of like in church with Taylor. Swift I mean, that, before. you know, that is a huge risky move that guy took, but it's pretty cool because then it, it doesn't mean that God is just only when you're reading this book, only listening to worship music, only in your church. God is bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you only have 10 students in your ministry, you got to uh-huh. get a little creative with it and it looks different than if you have 200 students, right? Like mixing up worship. So why do you, why do you, why do you say that? Why is it even more important in your opinion if you only have like 10 or 15 students? I mean, it's a little boring if all 10 of us just stood around and played the tambourine and sang the same songs every week, right? Yeah. No, that's true. I, it's true. We're <laughs> it's all true. What's the tambourine budget at the church you were at? <laughs> There are a lot of churches out there and a lot of youth pastors listening where 10 students is their max. Right. Totally. And you, it doesn't, the same things that work in a church that have 50 kids looks really different in a church that has 10. I had seven last night, guys, seven. That's awesome. I felt like a rock star with seven kids last night. (laughs) That's great. Yep. But I think that there's also, correct me if I'm wrong, do you think it's harder for larger ministries to be creative than smaller no. ministries or easier? No, my brothers and sisters out there working with 10 kids, it is harder because there's only 10 kids and you're in this giant space. How do you make the space more comfortable? How yeah. do you energize it with 10 kids, yeah. right? I stopped by the dollar store last night to bring a bag of tricks to my seven kids last yeah. night. That's great. Yeah, but... but is there but a benefit you, though that you do? You, are you relationally closer to your kids than you think than that student pastor who has 200? I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, I would really hope so. Yeah. And that's not me saying one is better than the other. I'm no. just yeah. saying there's, there's benefits think, to both. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, think in, I think in my mind, like if I extrapolate things out, the I lar- love the word extrapolate. Thanks. I'm sorry. I just it totally that's interrupted okay. your flow, but I just um, to point out that word. Great word. There are, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, there's just more systems. There's more structure, yeah. the more students you have. And I feel like I have conversations with with leaders that are at our larger ones where, Hey, I've got, you know, I've got three, three paid staff and we have 32 volunteers and we've got, you know, if it's a hundred students or 200 students, whatever it is in some ways, and maybe I'm just looking at creativity on a really shallow basis as far as like, you know, just being able to have a lot of flexibility and fluidity. It's, it it can it's, it's there, it seems like there are benefits kind of to both yeah, totally. to both sides of those and well, you have ha- to figure out what does creativity look like in the context you're talking about yeah. versus you know one of the larger I mean I served in a ministry where I had over 200 middle schoolers and that seemed easier because mm-hmm. it's just the masses bring more energy and boy last night with seven kids it was work you got to work for it you got to yeah. work for mm-hmm. it yeah that's true yeah i mean there are both like i see what you're saying too though mm-hmm. Brett because if you do have you know, uh, a larger ministry and you decide, Hey, this Wednesday we're covering secular songs. We're, we're going to skip worship because we're just going to try something different. You might have to get sign off from 17 people in a multi-campus director. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're in a speedboat, you can make that turn quicker and sharper than if you're driving a, you know, a a cruise ship. It takes more energy, more people, more hands on deck. So this being creative does look different uh, depending on your ministry and yeah. your context, and it should, it, it should, should, right? It should. So, but I want to, I want to switch gears just a little bit, John, and I really want to dig into uh, a few questions with you specifically oh, here. No. Uh, and oh, all right, no. we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> and what is it? So, because you, in a way, are creative for a living. You know, like you, you just come up with create creative ideas, uh-huh. and 
I want to ask you, what does it look like for you to keep your brain thinking creatively week in and yeah. week out? Oh, man. All my first responses, I can't say. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. He's, uh, he's clinically insane. Yeah, clinically so I think that's insane. helpful. Yeah. The voices are helpful. I just stopped taking the meds for a week. Um, let's see here. It's truer than you think. Um, and I was like, that's really true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a great question. What I do I do? Do you have an answer, Yeah, Sean? you go. Yeah. So I know if I have to go somewhere and speak and I get really stressed out with it and I don't feel like I'm being creative enough in what I'm writing, for me, it's rest. It kind of rejuvenates my mind and it rejuvenates some of the ideas and just kind of marinating on things a little bit more and just resting in it. And I also taking a walk in nature. Um, there's something about being outside that accelerates the creativity for yep. me. I love taking a walk, resting. Um, those are just some ways. What about you, John? What and do you do? You were really fist well, pumping there. John. I, no, no, I was, I was saying, amen and preaching. Do you like, you oh, like a nap rest. too? Oh, rest. Rest yeah. is so, so huge. I mean, Sometimes you, when you're on a creative, you know, uh, journey, you you just stay up late. You try to, you know, nah, just turn your brain off. Turn sometimes turn your brain off. Go do something else. That also helps with uh, creativity. Um, you know what? I think one of the biggest things though is um, defining the boundaries or the parameters that you've been given. Mm. So yeah, find what out you, what your budget is. Yeah. Find out what your amount of time is. Find out you know, figure out how many kids are coming, you know, take all those parameters in and then, and then try to push against those boundaries as much as, you know, you're, you're rarely going to break, you rarely want to break that box, but you want to turn the box that you're in into a ball where you push, <laughs> you reshape the box and you push at every possible degree that you can. It's still the same space. You've still got the same budget within the box, but it's a different shape. Or maybe yeah. at least a hexagon. Or at least or a some, hexagon you know, or something like gonna... that. Yeah. I think creativity is often, you know, I think sometimes we walk down and go, oh, I've got to be creative. And you just got to have this huge inspiration from nowhere. I think some of the best things is to, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? And then what are the boundaries we've been given? And within those boundaries and what we're trying to accomplish, then start throwing ideas into that box and seeing what pushes yeah. against the walls. I don't know if that makes yeah. any no, sense. Yeah. So in a way you're saying to be creative, you almost have to, sometimes it helps to give yourself boundaries. Absolutely. First. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's why. Which is counterintuitive. Yeah. And most of my writing friends, you know, and I write too. I mean, if I didn't have a deadline, I probably wouldn't mm -hmm. write. Yeah. Until, but once that deadline comes, a little bit of that pressure and a little bit of that, oh, okay, I'm running out of time or, I'm, or I don't have enough budget. Some of those limitations are the things that make you find a creative solution. And in my experience, people that I've known who are naturally creative, mm -hmm. that's where they get themselves in trouble. As oh yeah. They're, they're known as dreamers who come up with great ideas, but oh, yeah. they just, it's just, they just don't know how either to get yes. the right people around them yes. or how to create those boundaries to be able to actually implement and make, you know, produce what it is that they talked about that they, that they yes. dreamed up. Yeah. No idea. There isn't an idea out there that's good enough on its own. If yeah. it can't be produced, if it can't be made into reality. Yeah. I mean, a great idea that can't be made into reality is just, you know, time you spent thinking. Right. I mean, it just, does it make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. I, th I think for me, if it's helpful, hobbies that have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm supposed to be creative totally. about sometimes, yeah. like for me, like spending four hours walking around a golf course, you talked about like walking around in mm -hmm. nature. I love walking around in nature 
smacking a little white ball with a golf around. club in your hand. Yeah, yeah. But like f- those those four hours where I'm walking around, there it's so it's so healthy for my creative process mm-hmm. because it, it just you know there's just so much more freedom for me not to have to worry about to think about mm-hmm. things, and so sometimes it's easier, or I just have some distance to when I go back to something. Oh yeah, I see it from a different perspective or like I love music and writing and different and different pieces like that which has absolutely nothing to do with what I've ever you know done for a living or professionally but there's it's just such a helpful outlet sometimes and I think it's so easy for us in ministry as we convince ourselves that you know for us to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because it is such a worthy thing that we do and there is such a heavy burden that sometimes we try to convince ourselves that we don't we don't have the time or the availability mm-hmm. for hobbies yeah. because there are, there are students out there that need us. There are people out mm-hmm. there that need us. And I, I don't have time to go spend four hours walking sure. around a golf course, wh- whatever it is. But yeah, that's not, that's not healthy for us. That's not good for us mm-hmm. individually, spiritually, and especially when we're talking about how can we be as creative as right. God has called us to as we lead. I think for me too, I think <laughs> this helps me be creative. Sometimes I think about what am I most afraid to say out loud? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. What? You worry about that? All the time. Oh, okay. I mean, I constantly self-edit, but <laughs> this is why maybe this is the only podcast I'll ever be on. <laughs> but uh, I think about those things that scare me, hmm. and then I go, okay, how can I harness that thing? I yeah. think I think the things that are uh, make me nervous, make me scared, those usually generate a lot of feelings. A lot of emotions and a lot of ideas, and then I try to sift through those ideas and go like as an actor. Sometimes there's roles that pop up that terrify me. I'm like, there's no way I can play that role, mm. but then I'm like, oh, I got to do it. Yep. Or there's no way I could pull off this sketch in front of my students. Oh, I got to do it because I, you know, a the why is there. Like I think this would be really powerful. You know, for for instance, like. Every year at Orange Conference, we do this thing in Seriously Night called uh, uh, the Ridiculous Christian News mm-hmm. Network. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's and not it's, a shock. And it's ridiculous and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you'll never find it anywhere. You'll never find it anywhere. But it basically <laughs> is an opportunity to make fun of those things and take light some of those things that yep. we take a little too seriously within our subculture, yep. right? And uh, those are always the probably the most scariest moments for me every year because we're not trying to make fun of or make light of the the holy or the right. you know, the yeah yeah but we are taking light some of the things that we do hold as holy that probably aren't. right yeah there's a difference between being disrespectful yeah, yeah. and you know irreverent versus you know right versus parody right. Right. And, and, or I would call it more, um, uh, oh, not, what's the S word? Satire. Thank you so oh, much. Okay, I yeah, kept yeah. thinking sacrosanct. And I was like, that's not right. <laughs> I don't think that's a word. Yeah. Even, no, it's more, it's more satire using, using comedy as satire to hopefully get you laughing at yourself, but at yeah. the same time going, oh, but that's yeah. true. Yeah. Recognizing Ooh. something. In it. Yeah. But recognizing, you yep. know, something through humor. Anyway. So I don't know. Sometimes danger and those things that you're afraid of are a great place to go to to inspire you to create. Yeah. Or it could be even be a you know things that you're afraid of. You know that students are going through. Mm. You know, but you you know it's just kind of a taboo topic to come up with. If you can create something that's funny or engaging, but still hit that nerve in your audience. Yep. You know that they're like, oh, oh yeah, I know that though. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think I would even add uh, and. John, I'd love to see if you agree with this, but is uh, 
scheduling time to be creative. Uh, that like the time to be creative is not 45 minutes before your yep. program begins, but like, okay, I'm going to, even like for this podcast, uh, like I try to schedule time to work on it and mm -hmm. schedule time to work in it. Like mm -hmm. those are two very different things. And I think as youth leaders, we can get in those same, in the rut of always working in it, right. but scheduling that time to, okay, I'm going to schedule an hour or two on my calendar to think uh, think about it and work yeah. on it instead of constantly. Which again seems so yeah. counterintuitive. Yeah. But no, uh, no, you can train yourself. Yeah. You can train yourself to have times to be creative. I had to kind of do that for this job. And when I started writing at the first church I was at, I mean, I was like, you know, I don't want to, it's so, when you're thinking of creative ideas, they can just attack your brain at all hours of the day yeah. at night. Right. So I literally had to tell, figure out a way just through repetition to train yeah. myself from nine to five or heck, you know, and yeah. write like Mike Birbiglia. I don't know if anybody who knows yeah, Mike Birbiglia great. is great comedian. He's a great storyteller, great writer. You know, if you get caught listening to him, don't tell him you heard me say it. <laughs> anyway, he gets up at five in the morning and writes from 5 a.m. to uh, like one, I think. Wow. And he has an office he goes to. Interesting. That's when he writes. Like he he has scheduled time when he writes. Well, that Scott Avid, one yeah. of the Avid brothers, I heard an interview, yeah. and he was talking about how he's he's a he you know there's music and everything he does, but he's a painter too. Yeah, and he said he schedules specific times where I'm going to do music stuff, Absolutely. and then specific time where he because he's like I don't know that I would even do it. Yep, if I didn't give myself those kind of oh yeah, my calendar has has a scheduled time to write all the time. Hmm. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, you know, eight hours a day, it right. could be a one hour, but that time, you know, if a meeting comes up, I'm sorry, I've already got another meeting Yep. Yeah. and that meeting's with me writing, you know, in me order to and my voices, me and my voices, <laughs> the many, many voices. Uh, so as we, as we wrap up, I've got one final question, uh, for the three of you. So there's a youth leader out there, uh, who feels stuck. She or he has been leading the same youth ministry for, let's say six years and is just in a rut with their programming, with their events, nothing's really been changing. What would you suggest their next step be to begin to find that creative, that creative side of them again, that maybe they started youth ministry with? For me, I think it's getting out and collaborating with your neighbors. Sometimes we got to put our egos in the back pocket when we can't figure mm. stuff out mm, and hang good. out with people who inspire and spark creativity with us. That's awesome. That's good. I think mine would be wrestling with the difference between creating and being creative. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. I think that we, I think that so often in, in ministry, and usually when I say stuff like this, I'm just, you know, processing out loud and doing therapy because I'm really talking about myself, but we, <laughs> we feel, we, we feel this burden that if it's not something that we created ourselves, then it didn't count right. or it was cheating right. or whatever. But there's a difference between feeling the burden of creating things versus being creative mm -hmm. with things. And so I know that, that so much of what I do in conversations with leaders, it's really pushing them to find resources. I mean, in the culture that we live in, mm -hmm. everything has already been created. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And no, that doesn't mean you just go and you just grab something and you just, you know, th throw it at your yeah. kids or throw it at your leaders or throw it at your parents. Just hit it right on the head, right? <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. That's right. And so what is it what does it look like and how much more influence and how much more opportunity will I have to lead out of my strengths if I get really good at curating things that have already been created using my creativity then to take those mm -hmm. and make them really work yeah. with my students in my yeah. community yeah. in my in my context. Right. For me I think it is uh self doubt. 
not giving into your own self-doubt or your fears. I bet you in, when in the middle of your rut, there are times where you're sitting there thinking, man, I really wish we would. Just take note of that. I really wish we would, because that's coming from somewhere. And hmm. maybe yeah. subconsciously you're recognizing something. Even other people in your ministry, when they say, man, I really wish we would, just be like, well, why, why don't we? Why can't we take mm-hmm. steps towards that? A lot of times, I think for me and in those environments, sometimes it's just our own self-doubt and our fear of yeah. being able to pull it off. Mm. You know how you get out of a rut too? Go do something that you've never done before. Go do something that's so far out of your experiences. Go take a ballroom dancing class. Go indoor skydiving. Go do something that just, you know, isn't dangerous in the... in the, uh, the uh, Like skydiving? Well, indoor skydiving <laughs> okay. is different. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is that where the giant fan kind of yeah. just hovers you above yeah, the yeah. ground? It is a blast. I went and did that. <laughs> really? It was really great. Yeah, my, my daughter and I, we went and did that. It was fun. But uh, go do something that kind of terrifies you that isn't like, you know, going to... Injury, <laughs> uh, but do something that just terrifies you. Sometimes that exhilaration of of getting through something that terrifies you releases all kinds of ideas. Yeah, that's great. That's a that's that's great advice, and I think that's a great way to wrap up uh, this week's conversation. So, thank you three for joining us for this conversation, and thank you for listening to Rethinking Youth Ministry. The conversation doesn't have to stop here. In fact. We would love to find out how you stay creative as a youth ministry leader. And the best way uh, to chime in is to join our Facebook group. Uh, just search Orange Students on Facebook, or there will be a link to uh, our Facebook group in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at rethinkingym.org, along with maybe a link to John D. Williams' IMDb page. Who knows? You have to go right. <laughs> yes. Maybe there'll be a link there, too. So. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Don't go there. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's, uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening.